is the Campus Wolf Show and podcast, the podcast show that hopefully brings you inspiration. We talk about success, challenges, and how you can max the potential of your career in medicine. And we're super, super, super lucky and proud to have Dr. Ashani Patel on board today. She's a portfolio GP who has many, many, many hats and has done many fascinating things in her career. Thank you so much, Ashani, for coming. Thank you for having me. What a great day to start my Sunday. Yeah, beautiful day. <laughs> and it's quite early. So thank you for doing this so early as well. I know you've got um, some clinics coming up in the afternoon. Uh, I do. I'm doing a, a hot hub session. It's not far from here, though. So yeah, no, we're good. Thank you. Good stuff, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Just in 30 seconds, can you summarize the 100 things that you do right now? We'll try and pick up some of these things as we go through. Okay, so first and foremost, I'm a portfolio GP. General practice is the core of my professional being. Uh, I also founded a company over a decade ago. It's called Lantum, and we are a workforce technology platform supporting the NHS. Um, and so I, I have an interest in that. And I'm also a, a salaried GP uh, in Northwest London, and I'm the digital lead for the Accelerator in Northwest London. So looking at putting online consultations and some virtual total triage uh, for patients across the entire system. So it's, yeah, it's lovely. Amazing. Amazing. And well done for doing that in, th in 30 seconds. Um, so we're going to touch on all this, actually, because there's some really interesting things there. We'll talk about your journey. How do you get some of these things? How do you balance it all? Yeah. We'll talk about the GP side, the entrepreneurship side. There's so much material here. Um, and I think we're going to struggle to fit it all in. But um, let's start. Oh, I'm going to be concise. <laughs> yeah, let's, 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 let's try and do that. Let's go to the beginning. I always right. talk about to the beginning because, you know, pre-med school, Ishani, like what, what, when, when did the whole doctor thing come in? When did it first trigger that this is where I want to go, this is where I want to be? So we didn't have any medics in the family and my cousin and I, uh, so he was in Leicester and I was in London and I think we just kind of always had this tandem thing that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be medics. And I think there's a lot of unconscious decision making or subconscious decision making when you're, you know, second generation immigrant family and everyone's like oh you want a doctor in the family and it's sort yeah. of maybe that unintentional brainwashing yeah. that happens yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I have no regrets I have yeah, that was fine for me well, well, um so my cousin and I we applied for med school at the same time and we ended up getting into the same medical school so for uh -huh. me it was like, I want to study with my cousin for six yeah, years yeah, yeah. and we just and we did so he moved down to London and we were at Guy's Kings and St Thomas's medical school and that's basically what's what started it Wow. So it was because how I just wanted to spend time with my brother, my cousin brother. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And how was it, guys? I heard a little bit of stuff about guys. It was good. I, um, my school had been in West London, so um, I didn't apply to campuses outside of London. I think I wanted to stay yeah. close to my family, yeah. although I did move out. So <laughs> my mum was expecting me to stay there. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so then moved to Southeast London and great, great place to train. Met my, my lifetime friends there. Mm. And uh, I think before we started recording, I was just saying to you that now I'm currently working with someone who I was at med school with, so we've known each yeah. other for 20 years. Wow. And I'll hopefully, hopefully be joining his GP partnership uh, in, in, well, sometime this year after my Amazing. studies are finished, because I'm also completing an executive MBA. So once that's done, um, then I'd love to, love to go back to partnership, because I, I really enjoy that aspect, the business side and the mm. management side and the human kind of human relationship side of yeah. running yeah. a practice yeah yeah and, and 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 you've you've done various roles within general practice and talk about the pros and cons of, of different roles as well because i think you've got a lot to to offer to people who are considering what do i do 
you know, do I go down the locum route? Do I think about partnership? I've heard so many pros and cons, and we'll cover some of those as well. But it's amazing how things come full circle. Going back to work with people at Fomes, it's amazing. I know. I actually never occurred to me that we would end up going into business together. But yeah. I, you know, it's it's uh, it's one of those joys of the uncertainties of life. Really cool. that you just never really know. Cool. You never know where things are going to go. And I, I yeah, I think yeah. And that's the joy of it, isn't it? Just not knowing what might be in two years and, and you're putting everything into something right now, but you don't even know whether you're going to be doing that in two years' time. It's just about maxing each thing at each time, I guess. Yeah, I do think it's important to have, even as a, even as a family, like I was ch- talking to my brother the other day and he was like, so Ish, what's your, what's your five-year plan? And I was like, huh? And yeah. yeah, come on, Ish. Like we need to have, you know, you have your personal one-year plans, your two-year plans, and you have your professional and your business five-year plans. Yeah. I think when you have a technology startup, five years is so long down the line. Yeah, 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 in yeah. Quarters, actually, in terms yeah. of targets. But it just occurred to me, I went, actually, yeah, maybe I need to have a, a, a five-year plan, a one and two and five-year plan for my, yeah. my personal sense. Yeah. But it's good, and it keeps you driven, doesn't it? Like knowing the end, knowing some end goals, and being flexible, they can change. But having something to keep you going, because you know, through those days where it's tough and you don't want to get up and do the little things that are difficult, now is having that perspective of it's all for a, it's all on a path, isn't it? And there's something. Yeah, and I know people throw the term like growth mindset around, but I really think it's true. If you set yourself even small things, like okay, so for example, I'm. Um, uh, small, well, not small things now, but I want I want to get a puppy, and I spent the last eighteen months looking after fostering a King Charles Cavalier, and now I've done my training, so I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to have my own dog, and it's things like that. Like, it might seem so irrelevant to someone else, but to me, that's such a huge thing. It's an addition yeah. to the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so important and brings you joy when you've been working really hard. So yeah, personal goals and growth mindset in your personal and professional life is really important. Yeah. And to, and to do all the things that you do, you must have had some planning and some thinking ahead. And, and yes, you adapt. And, and that's one of the, the, the skills that we, that we should have. But having that plan obviously must have been part of your game because you've done so many things um, and, and done things and left things behind as well. You've already achieved quite a few things and moved on, which is, again, an important thing in terms of progression of career. Um, you're in one thing. It's great. But you know, there may be something better in the future and letting things go may be difficult as well. But Let's go back a little bit again to med school then. So, so you're a med schooler, guys. Um, what were you like? Because we, we obviously trained people for exams and, and passing exams. What, can you remember your med school exams? What, what were you like? Were you a last minute reviser? Were you someone who, who, who was there from day one and, and built up slowly? How did you do it? I was a little bit of both, depending okay. on the time of the year. Okay, fair so enough. When it was dark and cold and wintry, you're not going out. You're going to the, I mean, the libraries at Guy's campus were just beautiful. Yeah, so it was actually you wanted to go and sit there. It was a great place, just the the smell and just the the architecture and the history. So I really looked forward to sitting in this kind of old old style libraries rather than the new polished kind of building across yeah. the other side of the campus. Yeah. So um, yeah, in dark winter months, kind of maybe more diligent, more purposeful. But then in the kind of spring summer when the weather got better, I was I would confess I was more more of a crammer. And um, I met I mentioned my cousin. Yeah. At the beginning of the, uh, of the of the podcast, so I kind of like to do stuff in tandem with him, and he he's definitely a grammar. Okay. <laughs> so, it, but it was lovely because all of us, you know, we all lived together, and um, in terms of our friends, and so we would kind of all just do things as like 
a bit of a wolf pack, really. Sure. Uh, that's how you survive medical school. It's, it's and did you fly through? Like, what, what, were you someone who, who was topping everything or were you a scraper? Like, how did you do it? That's a very, I, I actually don't remember, which means I cle- clearly was neither. Um, I'm lucky, lucky, luckily didn't have to resit anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was definitely not a distinction student. Mm-hmm. And I think now, even now, people are challenging, like what makes a good physician, yeah, what makes absolutely. a good clinician? Yeah. Is it book knowledge? Is it that, you know, the system one, system two thinking? Is it something you can just, you know, look up from a reputable source? Or is it how you deliver information mm. and how you communicate with patients? So, yes, you've got to have you've got to know your stuff. But actually, I challenge that intellect um, is superior to communication and empathy mm. and relatability and storytelling. I think yeah. if you're good at those other things, yeah. book knowledge will come. You've got the you know you've got NHS resources and accredited reputable yeah. Yeah. your knowledge. So. Smart uh, working, isn't it? No, no. Well, like the book, smart one. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I suppose for certain exams you need one type, and certain exams you need another type, isn't it? It's that balance, and, mm-hmm. and that's why I guess you know being clinicians, that the overall rounded endpoint is 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 it gives us so many skills to use in various things in life. Yeah. And w- what I find is that people don't often use those skills enough. Like they they get kind of trapped into the day to day stuff of, of being a clinician, which is difficult in itself, but. There's so many more things that we can use our skills towards and, and, and you're a credit to, to, to showing those off, I goes in, the, in all the stuff that you've done. Oh, so, that's very kind of you. I do it, think general practice teaches you, it's like a school of life. Mm. I think medical school, the, the marathon you go on to get through foundation training, to apply to general practice training, then to get to the other side, you're, that's where you're talking over 10 years of your life. Yeah. And I remember reading uh, this article by there's two academic GPs who wrote in the BJGP about the two the two peaks. So your first peak is just getting to be a GP trainee, and then you get to the other side, and then you're faced with your second peak. And yeah. I think this comes back to your question about you know how do I want to carve my my professional life? Once you get to the beginning of that second peak, you're like, my God, I just climbed this mountain and now you're yeah, asking yeah. me to climb another one. Yeah, yeah, it's people, just starting. People want to climb it as quickly as they can. Yeah. But actually that second peak is more important than the first peak. Yeah, 100%. You've got to take your rest at the bottom before you go back to your second base camp and be like, okay, now what am I going to do? Because although we think peaks are like this, I think with when you're starting your general practice career, this, so this is your medical school training and GP training, and then you get to the end. Your your at your um, GP career, which is a few decades of your life, is actually more like that, and it's much slower. And you want to keep it steady. Mm. You don't want to have constant surges because it's, it's yeah. hard to bounce back from surge after surge. Yeah. So the so I think yeah, that career build, that actual career build, give it time. Like don't don't rush, and your gratification you know, what motivates you, whether it's, I need to pay for my mortgage, I need to be able to look after my parents, or I want to be able to travel nine months of the yeah. year, you know, whatever yeah. it is, um, make sure that you're looking after yourself to have the career that is sustainable. Yeah. Because if you surge too fast, if you climb that peak too quickly, you know, your risk of burnout and then not coming back is, yeah. is just too high. Absolutely. So. It's okay to go a bit slow. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you mentioned looking after self and you mentioned burnout there. And I think 
Um, with all the things that you do, I think a lot of people may wonder how can you do it without burning out? And we'll talk a bit about balancing things out in a second because that's, a, I think, a crucial skill again for modern day clinicians, right? How do you balance all the, the pressures and, and still maintain family growth, personal growth, hobbies, lifestyle, etc.? So I'm going to push you back again. So we just finished med school. Okay, yes. And then um, F1, F2 was at London. Five. Yeah. So with London always, have you always been F1, F2 in London as well, I presume? Yeah, around. So with guys in St. Thomas's, they could place you all in the south of Brighton. So in my okay. first year, I was in Bromley. In my second year, I went to Haywards Heath. Okay. And, and that was F1, F2. And then for ST1, I moved to West London to the uh, Riverside scheme and then merged with the St. Mary's. I did a, an, um, a few months with the St. Mary's scheme. So I decided to kind of go back to where was comfortable with my family yeah yeah so was it always so was it always gp like when did that decision happen then it was always going to be gp really since like since when always since, always, always yeah, since yeah. Med school, you thought gp was the way yeah wow. yeah yeah okay. and i think i mean gp has god it's radically changed yeah since my practice of medicine modules as a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a second year nice. medical student yeah. doing, doing one home visits and sort of tell, getting a story from, from a housebound patient. But it was, yeah. it was always going to be, it was always going to be general practice because I love the human story. I yeah. really do. And people, people are probably going to say, well, what about the medicine? Yeah. It really is about the story. I've always loved, loved that. So that's, That's great. It's great that you knew so early on because um, a lot of people now who are coming up to applying for specialty training, they almost kind of hedge their bets. You know, let's do GP and something else and then we'll kind of see what happens. And and I think that's that's challenging yourself from the beginning to, to enjoy what you're going to do for the next 30, 40 years. If you've gone into it as a kind of hedge and I'm, it's a 50-50 and I'll see where I am. And it's, it's, it's a difficult call when you know you've got 20, 30 years ahead. It's, it's a tough decision to make, but it, it, it's based on uh, what is important to you. What does your work and your life look like? Many professions outside of general practice in medicine are looking more and more at work-life balance and joy at work and yeah. flexible working. Yeah. For me, because I had interest in these other things, general practice just seemed like the most sensible foundation and bedrock for everything else that I was interested in. Yeah. And, and I don't, I like to be the boss. I'm not, I'm not good at being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so having, uh, control, uh, having control when you are a GP partner or, yeah. you know, in general practice land, you do, you do have much more control over your system, I think, than yeah lower uh, organizations um so were to change organizations like larger yeah. structures yeah no it's, it's great that you you had that vision from the beginning i want to be a gp because then you're able to you almost pass that decision so you can almost quickly start thinking about well what else can i do with this decision mm. and i guess that's why you started moving on to, to other things um just going to break off because you mentioned burnout and things and, and at the moment a lot of gp trainees are uh, you know are flooded with lots of different things to manage and think about and control what do you do to to manage all these roles that we haven't talked about yet, but what do you do to balance everything out? Like I see you on Insta, I see your pictures, it's really cool what you do, but tell everyone what do you do to stay balanced, focused? Um, uh, so I, I'm a fan of routine. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm able to sort of flexibly adapt it to rapid change, but I need my routine. I've always been an early riser because my parents used to wake me up at five in the morning to drive me to school. It used to take an hour, an hour and a oh, half. Wow. London traffic to get me yeah, to wow, school. Gosh. 
So I, I just, my, my clock, my like kind of biological clock is I'm up at anywhere between quarter past five, quarter to six every day. And I've always been like that. So I'm up early. I, I start each day with exercise, even if it's like a 10 minute hit, like high intensity interval training that really sets me up for a great day. And then obviously I need my cup of joe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and so I start my, my working day tends to start at seven in the morning, Yeah, which means that I'm able to compress and get all my stuff done by three. Yeah. yeah. And then that gives you time to think and have headspace. And I'm a real fan of early starts, early finishes. Yeah. because you then have time in the day the sun hasn't set you're still able to kind of go outside and experience nature and all of those things which then helps you just have some headspace just to think um yeah. but that's how i structure my day and honestly I, that that's really what gets me through and then obviously you've got the personal things you're interested in and i talked about my foster dog earlier so i'm hopefully going to get my own very soon That'd be amazing. uh which is you know so my dogs are just amazing amazing creatures yeah. Uh, and obviously family uh, as well and, and friendships and kind of all the kind of social structures that people talk about. Yeah, yeah. So, so important. And I'm a, I'm a fan of meditation as well. And you don't have to be religious to be able to meditate. You don't, you don't even necessarily need to be very spiritual to meditate. Um, it's, it's something that helps just bring that wave down. Mm. And, and I, I do like to end the day with thinking about things positive things so i'm quite a positive thought yeah. prone person even yeah. in really yeah. difficult times yeah and, and and i think you can i mean that you can tell that that just resonates off you and, and and that that makes a difference you know in so many different aspects that people don't realize and that positive that almost forcing your mind to think positive is so powerful versus equally being powerful if you think the other way you know how much it can detriment you yeah Absolutely. Yeah. The power of the thought. I mean, we learn, we learn at medical school about the principles behind cognitive behavioral therapy and how the thought drives the emotion, which drives the action. So if you, if you, and, and I think, I think people can learn new habits, good habits. So it takes what, 21 days for something to become a habit, yeah, anything from 16. smoking all the way through to yeah. um, positive things. So if you do something every day for 21 days, you just commit to it it becomes so much easier on your 22nd day and then yeah. it just becomes a part of your just a part of you and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. i'm not necessarily sure i knew i, I think I, I discovered that that sort of positivity stuff a lot later on well after med school mm. um yeah so just but, you, but innately you were doing some of these things anyway by things like getting up early and controlling your first hour and making sure that that you know you set your day up properly and i, and I resonate that with a lot Except when you're at, when you're school age and all you want to do is sleep. Yeah, right. that's a bit too far. You see the positives. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so from the age the drill, of eleven, it didn't come drill, easy. But then by the time you get to the other end, <laughs> but the drills are so early, right? So it's now easier to do. I guess it's drills. Oh yeah, yeah, it's for sure. And it's and great when you're on holiday when you are on holiday because you wake up really early and you make the most of your yeah. day. You're not just like monging out. Yeah. <laughs> very true, very true. But I mean, I resonate with that a lot. I'm, I'm up by half four. You're a morning person I, too. You do your morning runs. Get morning runs, morning exercise. Get get that all done so it's not on my head that I have to do it at nine yeah. p.m. Um, and then, as you say, you start at seven seven thirty. Like you get ahead when everyone else is asleep, and you just have a jump start on the day and. 
And that's how you build your people to say, how do you do so much? Probably you get the same as well. It's just controlling your time, isn't it? Like when you wake up at nine and you have to squeeze everything in before it gets dark at five, including look after yourself and eating right and exercising and family, it's just too much and no wonder it gets difficult. So that's you're, super. You're also tapping into that. I mean, I know you have a family, so you probably don't get as much uninterrupted time as I do. Yeah. My, my most valuable times are between sort of half five and half six in the morning. Yeah. Very few people email you at that time of day unless, yes. they're, in, unless they're in a different time zone. Yeah. It is, it is uninterrupted, peaceful time. Yeah. And that is, that's the best way to start the day before the flurry of phone calls and emails and you're in clinic and obviously your reception team and extended clinical staff are, have queries and this and that. And so they, you know, they'll screen message you and they'll call you and you're getting through your surgery all at the same time. Yeah. And so it, it's that calm before the... The, the flurry and then the calm again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and having the insight that, that I need that hour to make the rest of my day work well. That's really, really good. So you, became, so you, so, so you did it F1, F2 and you, yep. you knew you were going to do GP training. So you, so you applied, obviously, knowing what you were going to do. And then VTS, how was that? Can you remember much of VTS? Three uh, years? I, three I, years? I, so I split my VTS across two schemes. So okay. I was in the Riverside scheme and then I did some time at the St. Mary scheme. And... Both schemes are wonderful. Um, I, the, the time I really, really value, like treasure was the Mother St. Mary's component because I was in general practice yeah. and uh, my program director, one of my program directors, uh, it's just been such a massive mentor and inspiration to me. And then the practice that I have, was in, I then became a, a partner there. And okay. so it was like the okay. making of me as a junior partner yeah um and and learning about the business side and the management yeah. side yeah. and and you know all, all things so many hidden things that happen operations is a big yeah. thing and when you're in a, a large practice and yeah, yeah of course yeah and all of the, all of those things just kind of came came to life uh so and then yeah so that was sort of the first i'd say my first tranche and then i i i got was very lucky to um, have gotten my first non-clinical job with the Royal College of GPs when they just start, they just launched their e-portfolio. Mm. Um, and so they needed someone to help build online modules. So online yeah. learning was new to general practice. And so I got, was a clinical fellow there and got to build educational modules for. Amazing. Straight after you came out of ETS. Yeah. Literally yeah. came out of ETS, saw it in RCGP news, you know, hadn't done a job interview yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't remember the last time i had a job yeah. interview yeah, yeah um and just had to turn up had to obviously answer questions and give a presentation that they gave you i think a very short time frame on the day to plan they didn't give you any sort of pre kind of pre um uh sort of prefix criteria of what you needed to present so yeah, it was all yeah. done on the on the hoof and then i was lucky lucky got it and that sort of helped me then see other things other things in our general practice ecosystem and then through that, I got asked by a colleague to start working in cancer, to start working on early, early detection in northwest London. And then over time, as organizations are restructured, it became the whole of London. Mm. And I did that for, for a few years. So, yeah, early diagnosis of cancer was a big thing for me for a very yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's roughly probably when we met, I think. Yeah, I think um, so. Because I remember you doing your cancer stuff then. Yeah. Um, and we met through through your other entrepreneurial venture, which we'll talk about in a second. 
and that's how I got to know you. And it's been good to see the evolution of what you've been doing and, and you know, the amount of stuff that you've achieved, even in that short period of time, let alone the bit that you did before that. But just going back to what you said there about applying for that job straight out of ETS. I mean, I think that is so crucial and it shows why you've achieved so many things because you jumped in never having done an interview like this before, never having designed e-modules before, but you saw the opportunity and probably, I guess, you didn't think about it too much. You just kind of said, well, let's, let's do it. No, and, it, just looked, it looked really interesting. And I thought, well, I'm obviously one of these new e-learners. Yeah. So maybe the perspective I can bring as a newly qualified GP uh, would, 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 would bring something. Because I think yeah. the team had a lot of experience and I don't think they had a fresh pair of eyes or maybe a younger, early GP yeah. pair of eyes. So I think yeah. the team, team worked really, really nice. And there were GPs from all across the country working together on various things. And then through that, we got to build a cancer learning hub. So it was nice to be able to bring what I was doing in one place to the other place and build those connections and sort of, yeah, organizations sort of learning from each other. So yeah. but, the, but the fact that you jumped in. have the experience, I, I just had the will. Yeah, yeah, fair, yeah, and just the will to, to 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 say let's try. Like a lot of people have read that ad, I bet you, and just said, "Oh, it's, I'm not quite there yet. Maybe in a year, a bit more experience. Let me be a bit of a GP first. But you're like, no, I'm just going to jump in, and 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 that's the way sometimes to do it. Right? Not to think too much, jump in, and just take the opportunities. Because look what it led to: the cancer stuff, and then I'm sure many many other things, and connections, and networking, and just gets your thinking at a certain level, which which allows you to develop stuff like what you did. So tell me about where you went then with the entrepreneurial side sure. of your mind. Sure. So I was, I was a, a newly qualified GP and I had, uh, I, I think I was doing a very occasional guest blog for Pulse, which is a, a, a national uh, online GP magazine. And through that, I was contacted by uh, Melissa, who was a management consultant with McKinsey and had worked in the NHS or supporting NHS systems change, particularly primary care, for such a long time. And she just wanted to talk to me. And so we were just kind of sharing our experiences and what my frustrations had been as a newly qualified GP and you know what wasn't working well with the system i.e you know sort of agencies taking such big big cuts and but also this thing of ghosting where they'll say to a practice oh we found you someone and then at the last minute saying oh no we haven't but if you pay more we'll you know we'll find you this magical person and mm. seeing things kind of from the other side and and also being a newly qualified gp how do you test the water how do you how do you learn about different practices and different systems and there was no technology platform or infrastructure to help gps with that so we decided to to try and build something and I invested my own money and we managed to get some, you know, decent amount of money for the first sort of build. Mm -hmm. And then through that, slowly, slowly, you know, we were connecting, we're kind of matchmaking GPs to practices. And yeah. over time, the, the vision of the company has changed. So we were called Network Local and we are now called Lantern. Yeah. And we are now the delivery partner for sort of all really workforce operations for primary care. So partner, salary, GP, non-GP in general practice, if you work in integrated care, our platform can give you a sort of workforce ecosystem view and then you get to mobilize people where they need to go. And now with online consultations, people are coming to us saying, build us an online consultations hub. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. And you say that, yes, right? And brings back to my digital accelerator role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I get to see things from, from different lenses, which... Uh, 
yeah, it's amazing. It's great. Uh, ha have a look at lantern.co.uk, their website. It's, it's phenomenal. Lantern.com. Lantern.com, yeah, sorry, yeah. It's all right. Our website is going through a, through a, a, a 3.0 anyway. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have a look. It's super. And that, that's where I connected with you guys because I remember when it was the old network locum. Um, you know, my background was education and we were just building our own education company at that point. And I was looking for opportunities within education to try and build my portfolio. So that's when I connected with you and, and I became, I think it was one of the educational... You were one of our champions. Ambassador or something. I can't remember yeah, what the yeah, term was. And I remember running a few um, events and I think we got you down to do a, a cancer talk in Birmingham. And that's when I first met you. So that was, I don't know how many years ago, but that was the old days of Network Local. And it's been amazing to see how things have changed. And you and Melissa are, are doing in, incredible things. And I'm sure we're going to go from strength to strength. And I think one of the things that's helped with you guys is the adaptation. Like, you, okay, you had a model and you thought, okay, this is what we're going to do. But very quickly, you were able to think about what actually is needed and what is the bigger picture. And, and maybe in three, four, five years, wh what are people going to need? Mm -hmm. And how can we help bridge that gap? And I think that's... That's credit to you guys for that visionary thinking. And I think that's what we're trying to do in, in changing the way that we educate people yeah. and bringing out things that people almost don't think they need right now, yeah. but they're going to need in two or three years and just getting ahead of that curve. And, um, and I think that in terms of entrepreneurship is, is an important thing. But where did that bug come from? Where did the, the entrepreneurial thought come from? Or did it, did, was it there always? Or were you always wanting to do something on your own and create something and, and build something? Um, I, I don't know. I think that I might, the, the, the vibe around my family has always been start your own, do your own thing. Um, but land, Network Locum Lantern was not solely me. I just want to yes, be so, course. so clear. Yes. This is definitely a, a team. It was a small team to begin with. And every person, whether you were a founder or not, every single person is is responsible for the achievement and the growth that came. So I would never, ever say it was mine and I did yeah, it. Yeah, of course. It was yes. my thing. It was always yes. our thing. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was the partnership, I think, and the partnerships because it wasn't solely two of us actually early on. Yeah. There were more of us, actually. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's definitely, definitely the team, the team start. And I think similarly to what you, what you do is you're really good, I, th I think, you're really good at listening to what people are worried about. And I, I think beyond the, I'm worried about passing my exams, I think you're looking at fears beyond the immediate goal of I've got to pass, I've got to pass. I, I, when I talk to you, I hear you listening about things maybe people aren't saying so openly so it's lovely to, to 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 see that you're looking at how do i support people beyond yes i want to help you pass your exams but actually i want to also help you beyond that and i think that's where i think that's where you and i have so much synergy because you know lantern's job isn't to help people um think about uh the non the stuff outside of where am i going to work and what am i going to yeah, do it's a technology yeah. platform yeah nothing emotional about it that's something i think you and i have in common and i know that you're so passionate about helping people think beyond the exam so yeah yeah what, that listening to the client or the yeah was he, was, maybe what you're hearing from them is that I just want to pass the exam. Yeah. 
like maybe you're hearing someone saying, I just want to get a role. Yeah, I want to find a job in Tabernacle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you're seeing, you, you're adding extra value, even if it's not wanted or needed at that point, but it's, you know, it's helping. And, and that's, that's key, I think, to see. Yeah. To see and that's why we, that's why you and I, that's why we were doing those workshops together. And we didn't, it was free, you know, it was something that we just wanted people to be able to tap into just to get them thinking about stuff beyond that transactional bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was, I, I, remember, I remember those days, it seems ages ago. But I, I remember it was ages ago. It wasn't that long, it was a two long. <laughs> <laughs> in the same. Yeah, I, don't so. I, I don't know, it, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> But Lambda.com, have a look at it. It's, it's a fantastic evolving place and, and, um, and it's super good to see the growth from those very, very, very early days. Um, so people look at you and think, what an amazing, successful person. Look at this um, GPU, does so many things. But what to you, what does that mean? What does success mean? Do you feel successful? Um, how do you approach it when people say, you are so successful? I, I want to do what you can do. Oh, gosh. I think... So because I'm quite a goals-oriented person, sometimes I don't take the time to sit still and... and... Actually, that's not true. I do take the time to look at the things that haven't gone as well as I would have wanted. I don't spend enough time looking at the things that went well very quickly. So success to me, depending on which what hat I've got on is so success to me as a, as a, as a GP soon to be hopefully partner again is making sure the workforce, my workforce are happy, healthy and thriving. And therefore my patients are happy, healthier, happier um, and, and doing the system is doing better for them. Success as a, a digital lead is helping the online consultations roll out for all the HCCGs across Northwest London, minimizing the teething problems, making sure the practices know they've got support when they need it, and that things are as painless as possible. Because implementation with technology is one of the most painful things, especially really? when it's there's a clinical component, there's a patient-facing yeah. component, a clinical change component, and a systems change component. So that is that to me is is success uh, f- for that and then when it comes to lantern is is making sure that our our clients have really good shift fill shift fill rates have really good overviews of their workforce ecosystems are able to to adapt and and do more with their primary care networks with the stuff they've got and grow it and that's that's success for, for those three things yeah so i do i do compartmentalize yeah. um for those things Which is, and sometimes some jobs will be going really well and others are you're pulling teeth and in a way it's nice to have three different things because yeah. they're all going through different bits yeah and you'd hope that at least one's going good at any point yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what so talking about two things very quickly talking about fears and talking about your biggest challenges uh fears gosh that's that's a, that's what am I afraid of? I don't know. At the moment, got to be something. I don't know. At the moment, <laughs> um, at the moment. All right. What about challenges? Come back to fears. Then. Okay. What about challenges? Okay. So challenges is is when you have a vision for something, and you want other people to get where you are. My biggest challenge is patience. Yeah. 
Um, I'm quite a patient person when it comes to my friends and my family and other things. But when it comes to work and I just want something to get done, I can be impatient. So it's learning to just accept that it's okay to go a little bit slower because other people need more time. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I have that problem. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought you might. I have an idea and I want it out yesterday. Like I want it done, like before I even thought about it. Like, and, and we have a great team, IT lead, social media lead. And I'm like, do this, we want this done. I want this done next week. Yeah. And I know in my mind it's not possible, but I know I just, I, just, I, I want it so much to be done. So yeah, the back step yeah. Um, is important. Yeah, but then also it's, if, if you were to get it done yesterday, it maybe wouldn't be done the way you really want it done. Yeah. But having a little bit of time, even if it's like two or three days to get other people to see it the way you see it is it actually it's worth then feeling a bit restless <laughs> with the impatience. But, but the caveat to that is done right. Yes. Uh, but the caveat to that is if you okay, take it slowly, too too slowly, then you're gonna miss out on, on, on the opportunity yeah. you're gonna move. Right. So sometimes getting it out before it's not hundred percent is is better than waiting for it to be hundred percent. Yeah. For sure. When we're developing new products and we're testing it, that's, you know, our sprint cycles are usually like two weeks. And sometimes I feel even two weeks is too long. Yeah, yeah. Something's changed in that two weeks. So, uh, yeah, something actually I'm going through at the moment um, with one of our beta tests. So, yeah, I agree. I I hear you. But yeah, I'm learning to be more patient. Which is good to hear. But an example of that with us is the audiobooks. I had an idea about audiobooks about a year and a half ago. Um, that these are going to be great. And, and, and within a week, we had our first audiobook out, published, ready um, for trainees. And I don't know how I did it in a week. Like I had to research, how to record stuff, how to, how to get it onto material, how to get a platform to host it. So, but, you know, that, that one week defined the next two or three years of what we focus on. Now we have 13, 14, 15 audiobook courses just from that one week. Because I could have said, well, let's get it all right and let's research it and let's test seven different products first. Just... Just go Sometimes you just got to do it. Uh, do it. 100%. Okay, so challenges, that's a good one. Let's go back to this, this fears then, Ashani. What, what have we got? What are you fearing? Do you fear not having any fears right now? <laughs> Probably should. Look, I'm being very honest. My fear at the moment, I'm supposed to be here, so it's my birthday tomorrow, and I'm supposed to be hearing about whether I'm getting a puppy of my own, and so my okay. fear is that I won't hear by my birthday. <laughs> Okay. I'm being serious now. Okay, but in terms of professional fears, <laughs> general practice is changing all the time. Yeah. My fear is not being up to date enough. And I think I am up to date. Yeah. But yeah. my fear is something's changed. And yeah. with everything that's going on at the moment in the current climate, there is change every day. Bulletins coming out every, every hour. So yeah. much alerts, sort of alerts coming and alert fatigue is a real thing. And There'll be, there'll be days where I haven't looked at WhatsApp for an hour and I come back to it and there's 85 WhatsApps yeah. in a yeah. particular WhatsApp group on, on evolving primary care networks. Mm. And it's that fear of missing, missing something that's so important or missing yeah. a thought from a colleague that yes. I, haven't, I haven't come up with myself. Yeah. My, my, my fear of missing out on the knowledge, not FOMO in the traditional sense, but yeah. the fear of... <laughs> The fear of missing out on information that is so critical yeah. to what I'm doing in practice, what I'm doing in digital, and what's happening with, with workforce across the country. That's a legitimate fear, fear, I think. 
I, I, th- I think that's a good one. That's the issue for a lot of people. And I see it with trainees all the time. You know, when they're preparing for exams, their fears are, what if a guideline changes? Like, what if this happens overnight? What if I miss this change? What if, yeah. what if there's some update that I miss? And, and, and in the world that we're in with pings on our phone every 30 seconds, you know, you either you spend your whole day looking at that phone to make sure you don't miss anything, or you trust that if something's important enough, it's going to come to you in several ways. It's that, again, balance. But that fear is a big one, I think, um, for a lot of people. <laughs> It talks about five-year goals. It's not going to change anytime soon. No, it's not. It's only only going to go one way. And that's why things like going back to controlling your first hour and having that meditation time and having that thinking time reflection is so, so vital for your brain, for your mind, for your life. We've got protected thinking time in our our calendars, a lantern for the whole organization. Oh, that's super. Once a week. It's a two-hour block. It's called protected thinking time. And, you know, obviously you choose if you override it, but it's so important. That's super. And is that, in, is that independence? So people get their own time or is it collective? No, it's independent. That's super. Yeah. That's and then we have a retrospective uh, slot as well, which is on a Friday where we're looking back and we're yeah. all just sharing. That's super. That's really, really good. Um, and I think as an organization or even as a person, that type of thing is really, really important in this modern age. But you've talked about five-year goals. I'm going to push you for 10 years. What, what are you going to be doing in 10 years? I'm nearly 50. <laughs> nearly, not quite. <laughs> so what are you doing when you're nearly 50? God, not 10 years, professional goals. Well, any goals, yeah, anything, not just professional. Well, okay, so yeah, I think I want to work, I want to obviously be a GP partner again. Hopefully I'll still be one. Yeah. Um, and I want to see, I really want to feel that I'm working in an environment where we're seeing prevention of disease. It's a really big one for me. I... I we have to put a dent in the diabetes prevalence and incidence. And I want to be able to see 10 years from now that we have done something. Mm. Amazing. That's, that's so important. And that's with my, like as a clinician, I'm really, really passionate about doing something for that. And that requires patience. Mm. So, I've always been challenged about being impatient with that one. It's 10 year goal, right? Not 10 year goal. Um, For Lantern, we are now working with a couple of integrated care systems and we would love, I would love to see that more and more and work more and more with hospital trusts as well and bridging the secondary and primary care even more when it comes to workforce yeah. and being able to work in those sectors and more. And then from a digital perspective, I think, um, understand, I really hope that digital therapeutics have a much more prominent role and I think in 10 years they will. Mm. So doing a bit of stuff on, on, on that. Um, yeah, 10 years. And cut, 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 have, have less roles or have more roles? Mm, the same. Same. But not the same roles, but the same number, maybe the same, same numbers. I, I, I'm okay to say I don't know on that one. That's I'm great. all right with not knowing what's going to, because as you, as you said, things happen. Uh, sometimes something comes out of, left field opportunities come that you didn't expect but at the moment i really want to make sure we just keep building out general practice keep yeah. going uh, yeah. yeah i'm not yes. someone asked me the other day is do you think you'd ever become corporate and i was like what do you mean and they said well you're doing executive M- and exec mba so surely that means you just want to leave and i went no it's the opposite okay like, i, I want to stay i'm not going anywhere and and, um, and, and, and everyone to be honest is everyone has a bit of corporate in them and you have to this day and age whatever you're doing true but i meant i think they were asking like would i want to be like a chief exec of 
of yeah. I don't know yeah. uh, a, a social enterprise that yeah. that sits wholly outside of healthcare. Mm. And uh, and I was just like, no, 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 no. Mm. General practice you're is the foundation the it's the core yeah. of everything. Yeah. And then everything else wraps around. So it's very good. I'm not, very they'll good. have to kick. They'll have to kick me out if they want. <laughs> a couple of last things because I know you got some. You got your clinic well, later on today. Yeah. yeah. A couple of last things. What was the most memorable exam you took, and why? What stands out? Can you remember any particular exam? Um, two, the CFA. It is probably my most recent exam anyway. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although Yeah, because we were the first year to do the CSA in its okay. new style. So, yeah. um, and the college was temporarily located in Croydon at the time. I did my exam in, in, in Croydon. Yeah. So I remember just going there and having this, just kind of going from room to room to room to room and, and knowing you know, we've done your, we've done practice and, you know, you're sitting together with friends and you, you feel like you know it. And then, and then you're just spaced in a whole new floor, new rooms, new smells, new system. And just, just, I remember feeling nervous because I just didn't know how it was going to work. Yeah, but then as yeah. soon as you got in and you sat down and you read the brief, that was yeah, it. You kind of just switched yeah. into gear. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's this CSA I, re I, re I remember. I remember really clearly. I remember doing a telephone consultation, but I think the person was in the room with me, and while I was okay. doing the telephone yeah, yeah. consultation, which uh, obviously doesn't feel real. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the bit I remember. You have to laugh at these. these yes, yes. So CSA, and and we do a lot of training for CSA, obviously, and I see people cool. day, out, day in day out with those exact same worries, fears, thoughts. What's going to happen? What's it like, etc. So that was one. And, and the other one, you said two? Or oh, that had gone already? <laughs> I'm sure you said that you had two in mind, did you? My driving test? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get my license until I was an F, F1. Okay. I was later to get my, get my license and get my car compared to my, my peers. And, um, why, was, like, why was that? Any reason? I just didn't need it. I okay, think it was in London and you didn't yeah, you really need a car then. And then when I got my first post in Bromley, I was like, oh, oh God, now, now yeah, I need yeah, to right. learn how to drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my, my driving test. Yeah, okay. there you go. So that sticks out. And you passed first time. No! <laughs> <laughs> Have you passed now? Yeah, I have my license now. <laughs> Very good. I Very good. Knew it. it got past the first ten years, and I was like, "Oh my god, my license!" <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Oh. So yeah, I failed my driving test twice. Wow. I wonder why that. Wonder why that was. Like, genuinely, why do you think that was? I wasn't ready. You maybe you didn't wake up at five that day. Maybe you didn't have your hour to yourself that day. <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> but nothing gets you ready more than, oh my God, I have to move to Haywards Heath in two weeks. Yeah, 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 I need enough. to pass Just my test. Focus yeah, there was yeah. that drive. I was like, well, if I don't pass my test, yeah. I, I'm stuck. Like, you know, your independence is so important when you're a junior doctor because mm. they move, you, you moved around so much. Yeah, 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 and you yeah. want your independence and you want to, and also you want to know that you can, go and support your parents or yeah, yeah. help a friend or, or whatever. So I, yeah, I was, I was a bit slow on that one. But really you, know. you got it done basically when it had to be done, you got it done, which, which yeah. is, which is what happens a lot. I think for a lot of people. And 
Um, amazing to see like what you've done. We haven't even talked about some of your roles yet. You've got so many other things that are just still there that people don't know about you. So I'm really your part. We can do a part two if you like. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that we've got plenty of material for another part. But but I know you've got to run. So so thank you so much for doing this. I think hopefully it's going to inspire a lot of people, um, give people ideas about what they can do, and just show that if it is not what you've done, that there are so many things that can be done, especially in a career of general practice. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, thanks for your thanks for your time, and it's lovely to see how well you're doing. Yeah, and hope you're going to. I'm cheering you now. I'm one of your invisible cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ajani. But so before we go, um, can I just get a, a couple of hashtags? Okay. Hashtag can pass will pass. All right. Uh, hashtag can pass will pass. Amazing. That wasn't forced at all. <laughs> thanks. <Ajani. laughs> we do it again. You've been brilliant. No, you know, it's fine. You've been brilliant. Thank you so much. Have a good day and we'll catch up very soon. And I'm sure there'll be a part two. There'll be a part two for sure.